Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletel from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today again from Atlanta is Steve Paskoff. Steve is President and CEO at Employment Learning Innovations. And today we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion initiatives. Uh, Steve, let's dive right in. Um, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, a lot of organizations have embraced training as a way to further their initiatives. Does training really help? It can, Adam. And by the way, thanks for uh, giving me a chance to speak to you and your audience again. But the training to work, there are a few things that are really important. Ultimately, it's not what people know that's the challenge. It's what they do. And they often don't do the right things for reasons that deal with the structure and the continuity. Uh, the idea is to change habits, and that's really complicated. And the habits you want to change have got to be specific, clear, and few, and they've got to be reinforced. One and done doesn't do it. So that leads into a question. You already talked on you know, something that can lead to training going wrong, which is one and done. Are there other ways that training goes wrong? Yes, quite a few in the area that we're talking about. Number one, the training is offered as a business initiative to support it. And you've got to be able to focus your points in the context of the organization and individual and team results. Second, some training is actually divisive. And a key principle that's often overlooked is that with diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're trying to unify people, not tear them apart, and you just don't unify people by dividing them. Quite often, all too often, there is training that proposes stereotypes for one group, and that poses workplace, team problems, and also the possibility of legal risk. Some of the stereotypes in the training are harmful and can't be uh, defended and can lead to other stereotyping, which undermines the initiatives they were designed to improve or change in terms of a vision for behavior aligned typically with values. And that's an important fact to make uh, too, that you want your training to be aligned to mission, vision, and values and not as an unattached initiative. Yeah, and I think if everything goes back to the values of the organization, it's always stronger because it gives people greater context to understand uh, how this all fits together. So what are some of the ways to make the training actually work and accomplish the goals it's set out to the, it set for itself? The training will best work if it's viewed as an organizational imperative, like safety, quality, sales, innovation, because it's all tied into the ones I just mentioned. Here's what's needed. We call it the C to the five principles for exponential results. But what you're looking for are five elements put together, which includes the training. You want to have leadership commitment that's real and not cosmetic through actions, not just words. It's got to reach throughout the organization, not just the top leaders, but frontline leaders. The communication can't just be organizational. 
individual leaders and team members have a responsibility to speak, listen, and interchange thoughts regularly in the context of day-to-day -day workplace communications. Yes, you've got to have policies, you've got to have systems, you've got to have training, you've got to have hotlines. Every major organization and small organizations do. That's just not enough. It's necessary, not sufficient. There have to be consequences. That means you have to reward positive behaviors, address inappropriate behaviors, and that can include to termination if need be. And this is continuous. I talked about safety. I talked about uh, quality. I talked about innovation. Those don't end. Those are ongoing commitments. So continuity of initiatives means that it's not one that ends just because you did something and we can move on to something else. Well, and that makes a, a really good point is, you know, even if you do training, it can't be just a one-time thing. There needs to be ongoing communications. What makes for successful messaging over the long haul? A few things. Some is you need to have messages that are simple, clear, and few. You talked about the importance of values. They need to be seen as operationalizing, bringing to life key values. When we talk about what the training has got to be, we say it's got to matter. It's got to matter to participants in a personal way in terms of opportunity, not just in terms of legal risk or disciplinary issues. It's got to matter to them in a very positive way, which can be brought out when you talk about what the organization is trying to do. It's got to be simple in terms of what you're asking them to do. If you give them 50 rules, forget it. You need to have a few clear, basic principles about how to behave, how to speak up, when to get help, things like that, and welcoming issues and encouraging them to be brought forward. And you've got to sustain it. As I said, one and done won't do it. And that means that messages and learning, and it's not just training, have got to be repeated and integrated into daily business practices. I just finished a presentation with a major uh, employer that you've all heard of. And they talk about operational issues all the time in regular meetings, in the mornings, in the afternoon, brief and to the point. They'll talk about safety. They'll talk about quality. Issues of DEI need to be talked about as bluntly, directly, clearly, and briefly as the ones I just mentioned. Well, and what you're saying there honestly takes me back to my 13 years working at ad agencies where um, we always made the point that one, the communication has to be relevant for people. It's It's got to speak to what their needs are and what their thinking is. And then secondly, it's got to be repeated. You know, few ads run once. Um, you show an ad over and over again because people need to see it a few times before they fully start appreciating the message and um, really understanding it and, and really identifying with it. And I think it's the case here as well. Now, the ultimate proof is that people just don't talk the talk, but they actually walk the walk. How do you most effectively turn all that training and communication into action, which is really what this is all about, is making positive actions? There's a statement that I keep out in front of my calendar. Complicated interactions are based on successful small ones. There are things that we should be doing every day, talking, listening, and that's an interactive process. 
from leader to team colleague and back and forth. It has to be interactive and, and part of the experience. That's the most significant thing. Again, too often, the trick, so to speak, is thought of, I've got to communicate this information to folks. And the issue that's dropped is, how do we assure that people actually do things to change their habits on a daily basis? Much of the issues that force us to give this serious consideration to diversity, equity, and inclusion come from a history of bad habits that are embodied in day-to-day -day life, but in an organization which has goals, which has values, that is a place to change them in our workplaces. So finally, what is the most effective way to change behavior? In the workplace, Adam, I think the most effective way to do, as you said, change behavior is to set clear standards and link them to organizational results. And if you go back to issues of safety, as an example, if you go to work in a construction site, you're told to wear a hard hat. As one example, you might say, I don't want to wear one, though I do want to work here. And the typical result would be, well, when you're ready to wear one, let us know. But if you don't wear that hard hat, you've got to do it. You may disagree with it, but you've got to do it. And there are certain behaviors that organizations should be saying, look, we have certain standards of the way we treat one another in terms of how we make decisions and communicate and welcome concerns and interact collaboratively. That is the way we're going to do it. You may disagree, but this is the way we're going to do it because it is like safety, quality, excellence, and we're going to treat it with the same degree of focus, significance, and accountability. Well, Steve, that's a great analogy to end this conversation with. I think it's one people can relate to. Well, thank you again for sharing these insights with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.